Hello, I'm Eric Adamian. I use he him pronouns. I'm the director of education at One Archives Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to telling histories and stories around LGBTQ communities. You're listening to Periodically Queer, a podcast that explores the stories around LGBTQ periodicals, such as magazines and organizational newsletters, as a way to learn about queer community building. This episode is a part of our pilot season with a focus on LGBTQ communities of color. This season is made possible by a grant from the City of Los Angeles Department of Cultural Affairs and special thanks to One Archives at the USC Libraries for providing research materials for this podcast. In this Periodically Queer episode, I'm taking you on a journey to learn about Homan, an organization and magazine that were formed to defend the rights of Iranian gays and lesbians living abroad. Between 1991 and 2002, Homan published 18 print issues of Homan magazine, a magazine of cultural and sociopolitical studies of Iranian gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender issues. A few months ago, I had a wonderful opportunity of speaking with Albert Marboulet and Payam Qasemlou, who co-founded Homan Los Angeles. We talked about their involvement in the magazine and how it created a community. We also talked about its impact and how it served as a beacon of hope for the Iranian LGBTQ community. As someone who's of Armenian-Iranian descent and identifies as queer, this magazine holds a lot of personal significance for me. Talking to Albert and Payam made me feel like I was able to connect with the legacy of Homan for putting Iranian homoerotic content, gender expressions, and everything LGBTQ on paper before the time I was coming of age. I've never felt this way before, and I'm eager to share with you how this conversation unraveled my sense of self, identity, and place within the larger queer community. Before we dive in, I'd like to provide some content warning about self-harm and suicide. Please take care while listening. Hello, my name is Payam, or not he him. I'm a cisgender gay man. I was born in Tehran, Iran, and I escaped the country in 1982, came to Europe, and then came to the United States. There was a time, as a gay Iranian, I was extremely isolated, and there was no internet, and in desperate need for connection and sense of belonging. And I ran into other gay Iranians, my name is Albert Mahboule. I was born in Tehran, Iran. I moved to Eugene, Oregon in 1975. I went to high school there for a year and college for five years. Then I moved to Los Angeles and I use he and him as gender. I was so curious about how Homan came together. They explained to me the difference between Homan, the organization, versus the Homan magazine. Human actually started in Europe, uh, the organization, and uh, in 1990s, I attended a LGBTQ event for Arab organizations, and I there I met uh, two other Iranians, and after a few meetings, we decided to have our own Iranian LGBTQ gathering. There was no concept of human at the time. And I believe after a few months, we thought that 
it would be great to have an organization that would support the Iranian LGBTQ and the family. And so we had meetings and we decided to join the existing human group in Europe. So we contacted them and they agreed and we joined them as Human Los Angeles. We decided to create a magazine to create a sense of community and sense of belonging. When I was talking to Albert and Payam, I got the sense that it was not easy to do what they were doing in their time. So I asked them about any challenges or obstacles that they faced. Picture a time when we were being humiliated and shamed because of HIV out there. They were blaming gays. There was extreme oppression. We didn't have all these rights we have today. And there was no internet. The concept of internalized homophobia wasn't being addressed as much. So we are talking about an era that was we were very oppressed. And some of us were brave enough that we wanted to promote gay agenda, if you will. And we wanted to promote rights for lesbians, for gays, for transgenders, for bisexuals, and, you know, and questioning people. We got together and we had a lot of debates and we decided to move forward and do what we can. And we did confront homophobia within the Iranian community and larger community. But it was a scary time. I would say half the people were against it. Half of our friends. They just say, you're wasting your time. The Iranian community is not coming around. And don't do it. And the other half, they said, no, we should try it and see how it will work out. And that's how we started it. So even within ourselves, there was the ambiguity as if this is going to go or not. As a psychotherapist, when I came out, I started my profession in my really early 20s. And many Iranians didn't want to work with me because I was gay. And so we're talking about a time where it was very, very difficult to be open and fight for gay rights, especially in a community like Persian community, very conservative, very um, traditional. So I'm very proud of our members, what we tried to do in a time that we were so oppressed. Homan magazine contains a lot of political content. I was surprised to find out how much of this community and magazine work was done internationally. The way Homan magazine worked and was published, each publication of the magazine came out once a year. And for that publication, they picked an editor, one person to be in charge. And that person would be contacted or contacting other writers who would be interested in uh, submitting an article. And he or she, the editor, will uh, actually put the magazine together. The editor of each publication was the person who decided what should go in and what should not. And then we, as members, we will contribute or find people who knew would be interested in having their writings or poetry submitted. We'll connect them together because we had a lot of resources here and we're able to help even people from Iran or from Europe or anywhere to connect them together. The money for the publication of the magazine 
actually came from uh, Sweden. They had a grant from the government of Sweden that was supporting the publication. Even though maybe the editor was in London, for example, or somewhere else, we ended up doing the printing in Los Angeles uh, because uh, it was much easier to do it here. If our editor was not in U.S., we got everything together and published it in Los Angeles and then sent it to Europe for them to distribute. Also, we did the distribution from Los Angeles throughout the United States. In Los Angeles, actually, we had a mailing list of people who had already purchased it from us. Also, we had our gatherings on the table so people could pick it up or purchase. Also, we went around a few times to different bookstores in Los Angeles in Westwood to have them to display the magazine and sell them. Actually, none of them would take it except one, and that was Shirkate Kitab. The owner of the store was very progressive, and he was the only one who accepted to display the Human magazine and sell Human. With all the political content, I saw a continuity between magazine distribution and political organizing. It felt like political actions were translated into magazine pages, and vice versa. What's in the magazine was translated into political actions. I was also curious about how Homan was received in the U.S., so I asked Albert and Payam about how people reacted to the magazine. A husband and wife who owned the bookstore, uh, when we went and introduced who we are and what we asked them to do, they asked us, please leave the store right now. But the others said we are just not interested. They just didn't want to face it. As I was looking through the magazine, I couldn't help but notice that there are a lot of striking images, images of homoeroticism from the Iranian cultural context that I haven't seen in any other magazines. There are very powerful, very beautiful images. There are also book recommendations and readings about queer cultural things. The magazine, regardless of the content, it was a symbol that something exists that written for Persian-Iranian community. And just having that magazine, one of the stores, the, the Kitab bookstore, just me walking in there and seeing that was like, wow, fresh breath of air. It was so validating. So just having that out there was very meaningful. Unfortunately, because of homophobia, we couldn't distribute it to a lot of places. But we did deliver the magazine to as many people as we could. And this was like a beacon of hope for some people. That's the only thing they had that made them feel like they're okay. Look, you have a magazine that talks about you being gay in a positive way. And that was very important to have that. I know firsthand from being born and raised in Iran that this beacon of hope looks a little different in Iran. LGBTQ politics have a different history there. I wondered about the reception of Homan in Iran. I gathered that it was not safe to distribute the magazine officially in Iran. When I went to Iran in year, I think the first one was 2004, after my second visit, I took some of the magazine with me and I was able to pass it on to few people I had met. I had my suitcase, so anyway, I just had it covered up 
taking it to Iran was a risky for me, but I had decided to do it. And so I, I wrapped it like two or three layers of wrapping in case they opened the suitcase, but nothing happened. When I started working with Human, and for many years after that, you know, I had not come out. I was more concerned about having my name because uh, people, again, knew my name. You never know because you hear, hear all these rumors that they have a list of people because of the homophobia within the Iran community. I really was not out, only out to my siblings. But somehow my name was out there because we were getting calls. It was very odd for me, honestly, when I think about it, that here I was active with a group of friends uh, trying to run an organization that is promoting LGBTQ rights, and I was not out. What I would describe, first of all, was an extremely brave act to take that magazine to Iran, and basically he took extreme risk. And that's how committed we were when we started this. I remember I published an article called Gay Iranian Los Angeles Struggle to Come Out, and that article got published in many places, and then people in Iran received it. Then I started getting emails from Iran. I got some life-threatening emails, which I forwarded to FBI, but I got emails from Iran from young people wanting to know more and I didn't want to send them anything because I didn't want to jeopardize their lives. But there was definitely interest from people in Iran wanting to learn more about our activities, what we are doing here. So I would you know, share as much as I could and encourage them to stay safe and be careful at the same time, not to give up hope and normalize for them being gay is okay. It's about love and there's nothing wrong to love. We were getting uh, calls, actually, from Iran, from the, again, lesbian people, transgender, or even some parents who did not know how to handle their uh, son or daughters uh, being gay or lesbian. Their kids was gay, came out, found out, and they didn't know what to do. And they were reaching out to get some more information. Here in Los Angeles, in the United States, we're getting a lot of calls from people. And there was an Iranian psychologist at the time. She was working with the LGBTQ Iranians' parents and some of the LGBTQ people. So we were referring them to get help from her. There was a mother of a very active Iranian gay man who actually had a symposium or a conference or a lecture about homosexuality in Iran at the Tehran University many, many years ago. And I don't think he was out, but as a sociologist, he had that. So he came to the United States and his mom was very involved with promoting LGBTQ rights of Iranians and in general. From Albert and Payam, I gathered the sense that Homan was not just a magazine. It was like a cultural space or a community hub for LGBTQ Iranians. Its influence was both local and global. So Human had few seminars, symposium in Los Angeles. The first panel discussion was at Kanun Ketab, which means the book club. And actually that was attended very well. It was in Santa Monica. Uh, there were people in the audience that raised their hands and... They were kind of rude sometimes, 
or the way they were asking the questions or I said, you guys don't belong here. The second one was at the panel discussion was at UCLA and that was attended by more people. There were people in the audience that did not want this. They were questioning, you know, having that panel. So that was kind of surprising to me uh, that they were um, out there in front of everybody because in Iranian culture, as you know, we do things behind each other, but they're actually out there expressing their feelings that, uh, uh, why are you guys here? You know, why are you trying to change uh, our kids uh, to become gay or lesbian? It's surprising to hear how much of this kind of backlash is still going on. And nowadays, we're hearing these sentiments from conservative lawmakers in the United States. When Human was getting this negative reaction, it showed we're doing something right. We are becoming more visible. We are provoking. We are getting people to react. And we were on the right track. We were getting under the skin of homophobic people. It was working. What people don't realize, Persian literature is based on homosexuality. There was a book published in Iran by a researcher called Shahid Bazi. And he uncovered through all his extensive research that a large portion of Persian literature, Persian poetry is based on homosexuality. So we are from a country where honoring same-sex love has been around. A lot of translation of Persian poetry is done by heterosexual people. And they do translate in a way that make it seem like this is a heterosexual love affair. But it's not. You don't always get the right translation. One of our members who has passed away, uh, Hassan Haqqani, uh, he was really out there within the Iranian community. He went on Persian TV show many years ago. There was only like one or two at the time. And he was interviewed. Actually, they did cover up his face. I think mainly it was because of his safety. He didn't have any problem with it. Then he went on a couple of uh, radio interviews as well. That's really when the movement started by him in terms of getting the exposure. The Homan community was an activist center to organize for LGBTQ rights. It also provided LGBTQ community services and social support. It practically functioned as a resource center for Iranian LGBTQ people. We provide a wonderful resource, a helpline, a phone number people would call and they could talk to someone who would be, in Farsi, we call that Sangha Sabur. It's like someone who's able to handle and tolerate listening to what you have. Um, Somebody who's strong enough can handle it. That was just unheard of in the Iranian community, Persian community, you have a phone number out there for people to call and receive support. And one of our members, she was gracious enough to help with that. Our focus was visibility, which was enormous task at that time. When I was a kid, I was faced with something very challenging. I had to understand what these feelings were about. I knew I was different. I knew there was this homoerotic feeling going on, but I had no concept, no ability to self-reflect and no support to help me to understand it. So you can imagine a child has to come to terms with such a complex matter with help of no one. 
and it becomes overwhelming. And couple that with derogatory name callings. One of the people used to attend home on meetings, he developed suicidal thoughts. And I remember I personally took him to Thalians, part of Caesar Sinai Mental Health at the time. And I helped him to get situated there and get the support he needed. So yes, we have members or followers who thought about killing themselves because of level of oppression, level of self-hatred. As you know, the rate of suicide is very high in LGBTQ community. And having visibility helped people not feel so hopeless and alone and hopefully maybe be saved lives. It absolutely has had the effect of saving lives and showing us to be brave. I can speak for myself as an Armenian-Iranian LGBTQ person. When I showed pictures of the magazine to my parents, I had to find a way to sneak this into the conversation with them. I told them, oh, look what I found at One Archives today. When they saw the magazine, they were able to understand that Iranian LGBTQ culture is actually a topic that's talked about among a community of people worldwide. It has been talked about for decades and millennia even. Precisely that visibility piece has been missing in everyday conversations. And visibility is in many ways the first step to fostering acceptance in the community. I haven't had a deep discussion about being Iranian and LGBTQ in the longest time. It was an honor to be able to speak with Albert and Payam, who have been pioneers in the community. Oman has greatly affected the lives of LGBTQ Iranian people in a positive way. It has for me. Which magazines have moved you to action? How do you build your queer community? Share with us on social at One Archives. We have posted some pictures and excerpts from the Homa magazine that Eric has selected on our website. To read more, go to onearchives.org slash periodicallyqueer. This episode of Periodically Queer is hosted by Erica Damian, produced by Umi Su, edited and engineered by Quincy Sarah Smith, music by Analog Tara, research support by Jamie Sharon Cohen and Ambika Nagahali, graphic design by Maxwell Fung, production support by Shay Yu and Fatih Zuleika. Periodically Queer is a project by One Archives Foundation, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcast.